Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details. You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's up, everyone? Uh, ben Sandig here for another edition of the Locked On Wizards podcast. Uh, talking to you guys. It is a lovely day here in the D.C. area. Hopefully everybody is taking advantage of it, although I hear the cicadas are out in some parts of town, and that is uh, no bueno, but uh, has not invaded where I am. So, knock on wood, that remains the case for a while. Uh, speaking of a while, I chatted with our friend Dan Steinberg from the Washington Post today, a.k.a. AKA Mr. DC Sports Bog, um, today over at the Parkway Deli in Silver Spring as part of our podcast at Parkway series. Had Howard Fender from the AP first time, Mike Wise from ESPN last week. Now, Mr. Steinberg. Uh, so I'm going to play it out for you. We, we went a, a little ways, but I'm not going to do a podcast Friday. I'm going to take off Friday and we'll. You know, hopefully you guys will be cool with that, but it's just, this one's essentially a two-parter. So, a uh, lot of topics here. You know, Dan, we, we, we try to figure out where do the Wizards rank in town. Why don't Why don't the Wizards seem to get more love from 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 fans and even some, from the media? Uh, the idea of Marcin Gortat possibly leaving, his thoughts on the Ernie Grunfeld, and a whole bunch more. Plus, uh, we, lead, we, we lead off with Dan's interest in pickling food. So... <laughs> So, so we'll, so, uh, go from, you know, I promise it was more interesting than it sounds in any event. Um, so that's what's on tap for today, but let me address one thing that just sort of happened here in the last couple of hours. And that is that John Wall was named third team, all NBA big congrats to John Wall recognition. Well-deserved. I personally would have gone with him on the second team, which was the second. It was, uh, Russell Westbrook, James Harden on the first team. Stephen Curry, Isaiah Thomas on the second team. Wall and DeMar DeRozan on the third team. I would have gone Wall over Thomas. I totally understand why I went the other way. It's a regular season award, and um, Thomas you know, was had a great year, too. A lot of tough calls. That's how it went. I'm going to get more into the John Wall um, situation with, the, with, the, um, with what this means later on another podcast. But one thing I at least wanted to mention, the... the Beyond the personal recognition for Wall, the thing to note here is that John Wall, by being named to one of the All-NBA teams, is now eligible for what is essentially called a, ma- a Supermax contract. Long and short of it, he's now eligible for an extension that would essentially give him a five-year deal just north of $200 million. I know, that's pretty good money. Um, if he, That's if he, if he stays with the Wizards. 
So that's something that Paul George in Indiana did not get. He was not named to one of those teams, and it's part of why the Paul George uh, situation seems very much in flux this offseason as to whether he'll be back in Indiana or not. In any event, it's something to consider. We asked John Wall about that on exit interview day. Um, I'll play that for you guys uh, when we get to that, hopefully maybe even this weekend. Um, but that's something to consider. In any event, congrats to John Wall, first wizard uh, to be to, to be named to any of the all-NBA teams, I believe, since the 2006-2007 season. Gilbert Arenas did it three times in a row. Wall gets there, so first time in a decade any wizard has made it. Congrats to him, obviously. You know, I know, of course, he would tr- trade it in to still be playing right now in the Eastern Conference Finals, but that's not how it went for him and the Wizards. All right, well, anyway, enough out of that. Let me get to my interview with, as I said, Mr. Dan Steinberg. Of course, follow him on Twitter, at DC Sportsbog. You probably already do. And uh, let's get into it with some pickle talk, and then where do the Wizards fit in to this DC sports scene? And frankly, why just don't they get more love from folks around town? Hobbies to nurse myself back to life was going to be trying to make pickles, and so I bought um, a set of canning jars, bell bell canning jars, or whatever. And I bought pickle spices, and I was going to try to become a pickler. I don't even understand. I don't understand any of that. How do you make pickle? How do you do that? Like, how do you grow pickles? Make pickles? How does that even work? The preserved vegetables. What? So, you, I mean, you don't. I guess it could grow into cucumbers, but I wasn't going to grow cucumbers. But I was going to buy vegetables and put them into different pickling spices and vinegar and sugar and stuff and make pickles. Garlic. Wow. You can pickle all kinds of things. Green beans, okra, asparagus, carrots, onions, garlic. But I was going to try to pickle um, cucumbers because I love them. But I gave up and eventually I gave all of my pickling supplies to Adam Kildor at the Washington Post. Wow. And he's now, now he's a pickler? You know, I never asked him what he did with it. But he said that he wanted it and so I gave him all of the pickling supplies. I wow. should ask him, man. This is between between this and Mike Wise last week saying that pickles are life affirming. This is I, I would mean, probably say that they're my favorite food. Pickles. Pickles, really? I'd probably say that. Yeah. I mean, it's the number one. Uh, it's a it's a huge highlight to come to the Parkway Deli is the pickle bar. Yeah. And I love pickles, but I wouldn't say it's my. If you said to me, I don't think I would have come up with my top five. I do like them. I don't think it would be my top. I mean, like I'm thinking like, like pizza. I'm thinking like pizza. pizza. Right. Is that too easy? Be, no, it wouldn't be like a desert island food because you can't really survive for the rest of your life on pickles. How but long? It would be the thing that I would miss the most if you took it away from me. I think. Really? I think so. If you only ate pickles, like what would happen? Has there, somebody done a study on this? If you only ate pickles, like what does that do to your body? I don't know. Do you turn green? Very salty. Like they say, well, if you eat too many carrots, you can like start to turn orange. Would you turn green? Do you think? That might be worth it almost if, you, if that were to happen. Well, you're just talking about pickled cucumbers again. I'm talking about pick, pickling pickling vegetables more generally. You're just everything. But it's really salty. They're not probably that good for you. Is the uh, is the transition to say that DC Sports is still in a pickle because they can't get any of their teams to uh, make the uh, championship round? Works for me. The uh... yeah, you and I think are on the same page on this topic. I mean, we'll get to the Wizards specifically in a second, but this idea of D.C. is the saddest sports town, and by that, people are pointing to the fact that they haven't reached the championship round. What is it now? 68 collective seasons? Right. Since 1998 when the Caps were there. I was at that game. I was excited if the Wizards were at game one against Cleveland. I was going to go, and then I would have been to the last one. I was at game four when the Caps lost to the Red Wings, and I would have been at game one for here. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how, I don't know how many people would have been able to make that double. Very few. Maybe zero. You watched the Red Wings skate the Stanley Cup around. Yeah. Uh, was it sad? I mean, 
yes, but I mean, it was resigned to the fact. Right. I mean, that was definitely one of those moments of, wow, I can't believe the Caps got this far. Right. As opposed to, like, having... It's sort of, I think, to be honest, how we, the Wizards would have probably felt with the Wizards in Cleveland. Wow, they got this far. But I think most people were resigned to, yeah. Cleveland's probably going to win, although because the Wizards had good success against Cleveland in the regular season, maybe some hope. But then you see what the Cleveland didn't get to Boston, and you're like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think the reason that I... I don't know if you and I have exactly the same justification, but I think the reason that I don't I object to the saddest sports city thing is because I just feel like in my tenure covering sports, it's been so much worse. Like six, yeah. seven years ago, it was so totally. much worse when the Nationals lost a hundred games back to back seasons. When the Wizards, well, I mean, what did they start that one year? When was Walls like second Four year? Twenty eight. Right. I mean, it, they were awful. They were. You lost interest in them immediately, and they were just awful for a couple years in a row. And then that was. Even after when they were a national embarrassment with uh, Gilbert stuff, and it was also they had you know Javale and and, and Andre yeah. Black. So it's not just they were bad, bad. They were uh, horribly you know uh, they they, you know, they they were uncomfortably bad. Right, and those guys were so ugh. right. And so the Nationals' hundred loss seasons overlapped with that, which overlapped with the Redskins in the tail end of the Jim Zorn era, and then moving into the beginning of the Shanahan era, which was like McNabb and that being a disaster, and then the Beck and Grossman thing, and all these things were happening at the same time, and that was. Just so much unfathomably worse than it is now. So, like, the stretch of not getting to the conference finals has been longer, but the actual teams are so much more compelling. It just seems ridiculous now. Well, I think it becomes, like, somewhere in sports in the last 10, 20 years, it's become the championship or bust. Everybody does believe in this notion of second place is first loser. Right. And I don't know, like, I'm not trying to sound like some sort of... uh, participation trophy guy because I don't have kids but I've hated that trend in the kid rearing world but it does feel like people are ignoring the I mean the real goal in sports I've said this now several times on this podcast it should be for to build a team it's to contend every year if your goal is to win the championship every year you will either make bad mistakes as an organization going for it or you as a fan you will just be burned most of your life even the Patriots don't win every year so if that's your goal you're missing the goal is to contend every year that's happening now. The worst team in town right now, based on what they did this season, was the Redskins, and they were one play, one, one game away from making the playoffs for the second year in a row. One drive away, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, look, I, I do see it a little bit different for the Capitals, because they've done everything but win a championship. So I can see it's like a little bit of a harder... Yeah. E- even though you still want to contend, you still want to make the playoffs and give yourself a shot, it's like a little bit of a harder, harder argument to say, yeah, you should be satisfied. I just think... Well, if for them, I think uh, you know, your guy, uh, Tom Boswell, wrote that article or column, I guess today or yesterday, about just that. Don't lump them all together. They all, they all have different narratives. And the Capitals, especially when you see where things are seemingly headed down the line. I'm no Caps expert, but they have a lot of free agents. They're not going to bring back the same core. Right. This was their team. This was their best shot. And, and the big guys get... are getting older and older. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess we all are getting older and older. But <laughs> Yeah, as you and I discussed in the last 20 minutes before we turned this podcast on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, so I get it from their perspective. But, you know, when you start, like, I could already see the Wizards when Game 7 was about to happen and people were, oh, they don't win DC again. I'm like, no, are we really going to say that the Wizards, this was a, a, a unsuccessful season? I know John Wall said that. That's fine. And he, it's his life. For him, that's how he's going to do the world. But for those of us who are on the outside, how can you do it? They won more games than they won in 40 years. Right. They were a legitimate contender. Wall and Beal, it's no more promise. It's no more hope. They were legitimately, outside of Golden State, I would maybe say the second best backcourt in the league. This is an actual thing. They had a great year. If Game 7 was in D.C., they probably win. Here we go again. 
in defense of the sad DC fans, though, I will say that there was a time, so, what, eight days ago, eight days ago from today, where it looked, really it, looked, good. it looked pretty likely that both of those teams had a shot to, yeah. you know, when the, the Caps had their best, maybe their best game of the entire playoffs in Pittsburgh in game six, and they're coming back with all the momentum, and then, you know, the Wizards just ran Boston out of the gym twice in a row here. And you're going to Boston where they, they should have won game two and then maybe even should have won game one. And so now you're saying on the same day the Wizards can seize control of the series and the Capitals can win a game seven to finally vanquish all these demons. And the fact that both of those games went so terribly at the same time was a little tough. I'm with you. I mean, in the in the short term, the hit is hurts. Yeah. There's no there's no getting around that. I would and I always try to say to people, you you, you fan how you want to fan. I'm not telling you to yeah. not get emotional or, or throw things or you know, just don't hurt anybody. Right. Do what you got to do. But I'm saying from that bigger picture perspective, yeah. there's that. But, but let me ask you a different big bigger big bigger picture question, and it's good to ask you because pulse on everything that everybody else does. Why don't people like the wizards? Hey guys, let me take a dramatic pause there to share a word from our sponsor, SeatGeek. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or concert. Uh, I know some people told me they, they checked it out uh, during the Wizards playoff run. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it is definitely a very easy and convenient way to find tickets for sports and music fans. SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work and you save time and money. SeatGeek also wants to help you get the most bang for your buck, unlike the way some people viewed, say, the Andrew Nicholson contract. Sorry if that's too soon. Uh, anyway, that's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Best of all, for listeners of this here podcast... Get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. Here's how you do that. Download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter promo code LOWizards as in locked on wizards. LOWizards. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOWizards today. All right. Back to my conversation with... Dan Steinberg from the Washington Post. We are coming to you live. Well, not live. We were live, but you know what I mean. Coming to you from the Parkway Deli over on Grub Road in Silver Spring, my favorite place to go. And now back to Dan and I talking about the Wizards. And I'm serious because, like, whatever it is, here's a perfect example. We wrote a very good article the other day pointing out ahead of the Caps game six or seven, I think, about how all the local media was fawning over the Capitals. The, all the TV, they're all wearing the cap stuff. Yeah. They're all going excited for it. And uh, you, I, I liked your, your take on that. You were sort of tongue-in-cheeking and all that. I didn't see any of that for the Wizards. The Game 7, last time I checked, did happen for them. They actually did have a Game 7. I know some media went to the game. I, and I don't, no offense to my local news friends, but I didn't see on my Twitter feed people uh, showing me pictures of them in their own Wizards gear so that's just from the media perspective and obviously the fans do like them but you know why is that i don't know that i know the answer so to your point there was one day this or i think in the first round when the wizards and caps played on the same day that that one time um, when they were both in the first round this year i was watching local news one day and the women were all like okay go caps tonight go caps and 
the one guy on set was like, you know, the Wizards have a game tonight too, and they're like, oh yeah. It was like a total afterthought. I, I don't know. I mean, the, the Wizards Celtics, the game seven Wizards Celtics rating was monster in DC and bigger than anything the Caps have ever done. But that's, is that right? Yeah, it was. But that's kind did of you special. Tell, did you tell Eric Finger about that? Or? Yeah, yeah, he knows. That's kind of a special circumstance though, because it's a game seven and it's a sure. probably a national audience to some. I mean, well. A game that would have a Celtics game seven is going to get a big. I, mean, I think there's more NBA fans, right. so even if they're not Wizards fans, right? Then. But the point is, when they played at the same time, game five Wizards versus game seven Caps, the Caps crushed them again. That's a game seven, so that makes sense. But I don't know. I, I mean, I think part of it with this current generation of Caps is the way Ovechkin and Backstrom have been there for like a decade at this point, and so there is a generation of people who have grown up with essentially the same kind of team. Sure. And they've been good nine out, of, nine out of ten years. They made the playoffs or whatever. I think that's part of it. But even the Nationals have so much more enthusiasm from such a shorter period of success. You know, five years that they've had going. I don't, I don't know what it is with the Wizards. I think they're clearly, to me, clearly the stepchild of the Big Four teams in Washington. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, I don't know if this is crazy. I think part of it might be the name thing. I, I do that they don't connect with. I mean, they've been bad for a long time, too, but I think that the, there was, like, a break at some point where people don't necessarily associate themselves with the history of the franchise in the same way. Is that crazy? Yeah. I mean, I definitely know a lot of people. I mean, I still, in my head, view them as the Bullets. So uh, it's definitely possible. But, you know, obviously people a lot younger than us don't know about that at all, and anybody who moves into town doesn't know about it. So maybe. I mean, that's definitely, that's definitely something to that. But, you know, I always think that you know, perception becomes reality, and I'm not blaming this all on the media by any stretch. Most of the blame comes to the fact that they've been largely bad for 30 something years. Right. So it, let's start with that and know that that's the, sure. the sort of the end all be all. But in terms of this recent vintage, um, you know, I mean, again, you cover you're after all these different teams. I, I don't know how much more interesting or exciting John Wall can be. He's he's breathtaking to watch. He's one of the better interviews in town because he's likely to say all kinds of stuff. He's pretty honest. The one thing I've always said about him is he talks the same way on camera as he does off. That whole thing about him and Bradley Beal that got blown out of proportion at the beginning of the year was because something he said, maybe he made an, uh, he, he misspoke or people misinterpreted it, but either way he said something. He wasn't like, say, the quarterback of the football team who was very couched in everything he says and won't give you, won't let you know much of anything. And, you know, um, Bryce Harper is interesting, but he dials it back a lot more, I find. And I, I obviously don't know what Ovechkin says. <laughs> <laughs> I never, well, I never yeah, noticed it. I don't know that any of those are great interviews. I, I don't think that the Wizards' popularity or unpopularity has anything to do with John as an interview. But I do think that he, like when he's on the radio, he's hard to listen to. He like doesn't talk into the phone in the right way, and yeah. he like kind of mumbles his way. He's interesting. But I would say he talks like he plays. It's a hundred miles an hour, and yeah. sometimes it's hard to, uh, to, 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 to get a good. He, listen to what it is. But I guess I just mean like he and Wall. Like if you said, "What's the blueprint for a team?" You'd say, "Okay, homegrown stars, young, exciting." Yeah. Well, Likeable. John Wall and Bradley Beal seem like they're in that mix. You want to include Otto Porter in there? Fine. So it seems like that's the good narrative. That's how the Caps were built: Ovechkin, Backstrom, and, and, and all that. No doubt. And, and Bryce Harper, uh, you know, this in Strasburg, sort of the same thing. And yet, it doesn't seem to translate with the Wizards. Maybe it just needs to take more time. I mean, maybe the Caps. I, I can't answer that. I, I really can't. I, I don't understand it myself. Maybe, I mean, they've, they've basically been good for four years now, right? They, they've had four years of being competitive. All I, right, last year everybody thought it was a disaster. They went 500. They, they went 500. I think that 
there certainly is a sense that they would be the least likely of teams to win a championship. Which is why I was hoping they wouldn't be the first one to make the conference final. Because yeah. how amazing would that have been that the Wizards broke that spell? Right. But anyway, we were talking about this earlier. I mean, part of it is the way the NBA has marketed itself and has become a, a league where it doesn't matter where you live. You kind of follow the same few teams. And look, I have a friend in town who whose kid got really into the NBA in the last year. And for Christmas, I think he wanted like a... Blake Griffin jersey and a Steph Curry jersey. He lives in Washington, D.C., and he loves basketball, and there is a top eight NBA team here, and it wasn't like, can I have a Bradley Beal jersey? Can I have a... Right. I mean, I think that's the way the league has been for a long time, but even more so, it seems like, as these super teams have developed. But that's not an excuse for their... I, I don't have a good answer. I wish I knew. Well, I I mean, and it, it, it manifests itself... This is a weird place to be talking about it, but it manifests itself for me in my web traffic, where... If I was going to write something based on web traffic, I would have the least good chance of getting an audience by writing about the Wizards. I mean, it's frustrating to me. Yeah. No, I, I mean, as, as somebody who's contemplating what to do with his life and career and thinking about does he want to dedicate more to the Wizards, and I talk to people like you, I'm like, I don't know, man. It doesn't. It, it, there's some interest. It's not that much. It's definitely one of those things that makes me think. Or as on the flip side, a thousand people already write about the Redskins, and yet, in theory, yeah. if you wanted to go do, you wanted to be the thousand first person to do it, there still seems like there's enough audience to uh, to get done. I just think the Wizards and Caps things, the Redskins are a whole separate thing, and that's mostly because the NFL is a monster, and it is what it is. But the Wizards and the Caps thing definitely seems like a weird one. I- I'm still convinced, Caps people can tell me I'm wrong, the 20,000 people that show up for the game, that's the fan base, plus another 10. I know that's like a long-time Tony Kornheiser argument. I think it's changed. And I... <laughs> Like, I think, look at the Russian machine community. I don't know if people listening to this care about it, but it's, you know, the blog that covers the team obsessively. And they have, you wouldn't believe how many, like, teenage and 20-something girls there are, women, who are obsessed with the Capitals. And that's all their social media presence is about the Capitals. And I, I don't see anything remotely comparable with the Wizards. Like, with the Wizards, it's a bunch of people. There's, like the 20, 30-something dudes who spend too much time on Twitter talking to each other all day. But it's not like... It's just not the same kind of rabid, enthusiastic, kind of really, like, fanish behavior. Do you know what I mean? And I, don't sure. know, I don't know why, but I don't think it's 20,000 anymore for the Caps. I really don't. I think it's... I mean, it's not 100,000. Well, obviously, you say the ratings are better. I always think the ratings thing is sort of hard to tell, just in general, uh... Just because of what what it represents, you go to you know sports bars, not factoring in these things. But um, <clears throat> I've always think that I've always sort of thought of the Caps as the the, the non sports fans who want to root for a sports team went for the Capitals. There are legitimate people who like the Caps, and I grew up rooting for the Caps and going to games. Um, I don't know if I already said this on here or before, but I was at game the last time. Yeah, yeah we, you said it on here. On, okay, yeah, I, yeah. I can't keep track. Yeah. Um, but well, I think, I, I, but I think there's a lot of people who, like I said, sort of like that indie band that like they're not mainstream enough and they don't want to get they, they don't want to. Everybody likes U2, everybody likes Green Day, but they they want to be with that band that is off off kill off beat off the side that people aren't too focused on. And the Caps, no matter what they do, don't get totally over the hump. Partly because of just where hockey is in in professional society, and I also think because of other than Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby, I don't. I, Again, don't shoot me, Cap fans. I really wonder how many other like people would, would they go out and buy the jersey for whoever the best player on some other team there? I doubt it. So it just feels like they they think. That, and look, I think the Caps is a lot of fun to go to. I don't really go much as a fan to any of these things, but when I'm there to cover it, 
it's definitely a way better atmosphere than the way Wizards. better atmosphere. Yeah, and I actually wonder like. I don't want this to be like critical of the Wizards and I like the people who work at the Wizards I don't think this is on them but I think the Wizards probably has the worst atmosphere of the big four sports I, I, I just I mean it's got it was a lot better this year like surprisingly in December it started getting better when they went on that winning streak and then it was you know okay through the end of the year and yet but, they only finished like I think like tw- they were like deep in the 20s in attendance I think they finished like tw- high 20s maybe 20th but it took a, it took for, it took that late push to yeah. get their and part of that is because of season tickets. You know, sure. they, coming off last year, I think that season ticket sales suffered. And yeah. I think they would admit that. But it's kind of like a... Sometimes it's still kind of like a too cool for school crowd where they just don't want to cheer that much. You know what I mean? It's not that they're like not into the team or whatever. It's just not... It's not like a college basketball crowd. It's not like a Cavs crowd, which I don't know why it's... Well, the Cavs crowd seat... I mean, you, you literally are in the crowd trying to find David Letterman, which was awesome, by the way. Yeah. But the... Uh, it feels like the Caps crowd is more of the blue-collar crowd that you would think about with sports, especially back then. The yeah. Wizard feels much more, it's the corporate, right. like when game six, uh, you know, we were all talking about it on Twitter, as the game is starting, a lot of empty yeah. seats in the lower bowl, yeah. but I'm viewing that as the corporate people who, yeah. they're not the they're not the crazy fans. I do think people. it's part of that, like, but I, and I, I know that the Wizards don't like when I talk about this, and that's fair, but the Chick-fil-A thing is... Uh, it's like a real thing. Like oh, there are a lot of games when the loudest cheer comes to try to have someone miss two free throws and earn people yeah. free chicken sandwich. I, you know, you saw what El Horford. Like it, it's a joke, but you saw what El Horford's dad said that when he went to the Celtics game, he, could, he was comparing it to Atlanta. He couldn't believe how crowded it was and how loud they were and how into the game. I had a friend, the biggest Wizards fan I know, went to game five. No, went to game six here and then traveled to Boston for game seven and bought seats and the first thing that he wrote was it's 10,000 times louder here than it was at game six. Somebody who covers the team said the same thing to me that like they were like well I can't begin to tell you how different the atmosphere is game six to game seven. Yeah. But it, it all it all kind of goes together. I mean I think that it's easier to get enthusiastic about something when you see other people enthusiastic about it. Do you know what I mean? And so like the Caps enthusiasm kind of becomes catching and the Wizards whatever it is also becomes catching yeah I think the um, one thing I noticed you were not at game 6 for the Wizards right John Wall hits the game winning shot I was not at game 6 okay. that's right no, you, you've been you've been everywhere so I stared blankly into distance no no you've, you've, been, you've been all over the place I, I'm sure it's hard to remember exactly everything one thing I noticed though that the game and I would be very curious to see what happens going forward and I'm probably going to make too big of a deal about this in the moment but I thought it was interesting. We just established that the Capitals are the more popular team on some level than the Wizards in their own building. And based on that, Alex Ovechkin, was it you that wrote a year ago that over the last 40 years or whatever, he's probably the best athlete in town? Yeah. And I, like 60 years. 60 years. And, I, and I'm not even sure how I would argue that, regardless of this latest flame out. Yeah. Or getting knocked to the third line. He, Ovechkin, so it's about the day or two after the Caps lose to the Penguins, this loser series, he shows up at the Wizards game wearing a John Wall jersey. He's sitting out near the court. Yeah. Other Caps players are there as well, but Ovechkin's the one that everybody cares about. They never put him on the Jumbotron. Is that right? Not once. And I, and I was looking at that going, well, as I, was, I was waiting for that to happen because I wanted to see the reaction. Yeah. And I'm like, this isn't going to happen? And I, now maybe he said don't do it. I wonder if they were worried that he'd get booed or something. But maybe, right. but I thought to myself, that is... 
very weird and interesting. Now, of course, the Wizards end, win that game, but they didn't win the series, so maybe no, maybe there's no sea change. Yeah. But as we're sort of talking about Ovechkin, maybe the injury slowed him down, but maybe age is catching up, whatever it is. But I was wondering in that moment, from the Wizards' perspective I'm coming from, thought to myself, am I witnessing right now in real time? A transition. Yeah. Well, you know, I wrote column that no one read because I don't it wasn't very well conceived and I hadn't thought it out very well and I didn't like the he- I didn't write the headline or necessarily like the headline but it, the headline was something like John Wall is becoming the face of DC sports and I, I don't know if that was the argument I was trying to make but I do think that of the four superstars in town at the moment still counting Ovechkin is one excuse me we're talking about our declining health tip so if you say Ovechkin Kirk Cousins Bryce Harper and John Wall being the four biggest superstars in town I think that Wall has embraced Washington in a way maybe the others haven't. Not not as not as a as a criticism of them, but you know Kirk Cousins has had, has had to be kind of non-committal about where he wants to be because of the complications of his own contract situation. By the way, he doesn't have to be non-committal. He okay. chooses to be. He I mean, chooses to be. No, but I only say that because we asked Otto Porter and Boyan Bogdanovich, they're restricted free agents. Hey, you want to come back here next year? To some degree, they said yes. That'd be great. We'll yeah. see. Kirk Cousins, as far as I know, has never said I want to come back. Gotten there a little bit recently, but <coughs> but whatever. He has complications. Like Ovechkin. Ovechkin obviously likes it here and has been the face so, of the Capitals. But and he, he signed a thousand-year contract, so right, basically but, he's been locked in. But there, there are differences because of language and because of what he does over the summer and all. There's differences. I, th- I think that Wall and our friend Eric Bickle from the Junkies has talked about this for a while. That he thinks that that no one is as passionate a uh, sort of spokesperson for D.C. as Wall is. And that's like the whole, like, this is my town, this is my city. You know, even the whole like, Ben's Chili Bowl thing, which was manufactured by the team a little bit putting him up there but that's like you don't see Kirk Cousins face on a U Street business you know I, I understand the team went out of their way to do that but there is something like Wall speaks of being from Washington and being of Washington in a kind of a different way and I think the people who pay attention appreciate that and really love him for that and you know it was funny when he and Beal were talking about him jumping up on the scorer's table after the game and Beal almost looked like a little bit embarrassed or <laughs> Like, what are you doing, John? But there was something, like, organic and spontaneous and, like, really likable about the way he did that. And, you know, John Feinstein criticized him and said, you don't do that until you win a series. You don't do that after game six. But I think the people who were there, like, you're right. That's the kind of stuff that makes you fall in love with a player and a team, I think. That's, I mean, that was a lot of passion, like, spewing out of the guy right then. Unfortunately, if you thought it was, like, a sea change in terms of him hitting big three-pointers to spark this team to victory, then he missed 5,000 in the next game. Yeah, that, that was not the uh, ideal way to go. I mean, every, everybody's cra- crappy on it for that. And look, Mr. Glass, 11 shots. It's clearly not a good game. Yet he was almost came with, almost was relatively close to a triple double. It was the only game of the playoffs. He didn't score at least 20. And uh, the way I always look at these things, there are some guys who shy away from the moment. There are some guys who just have a bad game. He had a bad game. He was trying. He was giving it. Those all. He just whatever ran out of gas. Whatever you want to say. So I was side on that as opposed to there's some guys who don't seemingly live up to that moment. So I agree with you, but we, he hits the monster three-pointer, yeah, for like yeah. the biggest shot in 40 years or whatever. Sure. And then you're thinking, like, man, uh, imagine this John Wall, if he's hitting clutch three-pointers like that, and the next game it just didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, – that he hit the three-pointer. I was trying to make a bigger deal after game six. I'm like, I even asked him, like, do you think there's some irony in the fact that this shot that you've been criticized for your whole career, you literally, when I didn't say this to him, he was literally three for like 42 in his second year. Yeah. Like it was terrible. Under 10%. 
uh, and that, that's the shot you made as the, your sort of defining moment of your career to this point. And he's like, eh. he, you know, he, he brushed it off because he thinks he can make them all as he, as he should, in all those, um, in all those spots. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I just think it's, you know, I always come back to maybe I'm wrong, maybe I have to get a different train of thought, but I always think it comes back to again the perceptions, reality, and the, when you talk about the Wizards, at least prior to this year, I know you. Because you pay attention, I don't mean this is an arrogant way, but like you pay attention to what we all say on Twitter, and you have a good memory. So you've seen me say from the beginning of the year, people are you know sleeping on the Wizards, and people are just assuming that they're going to suck because they're going to because history has always said that. If you keep saying that, you're probably going to be right with them. Um, but the perception is typically from thirty thousand feet, even in this town, they're not that good. And maybe maybe that will start to change now. Of course, there's some columnists in town who will still who will tell you, ah, just because they're saying it's going to be different, don't believe the hype. They've said that before and been fooled. Yeah. I, I do think, and I talked about this with someone, I can't remember if it was with you, but that, I, I do think that the 2-8 start damaged them for public perception, maybe, maybe out of proportion to what it should have, but because people expect them to always sink back into the mock, that when they started 2-8, it took a long time for people to believe, including yeah. me, really, that that was the outlier. Even though it was a new coach and whatever, it, it was hard to convince yourself that... It was the next seventy-two games that counted, and not the first ten. You know what I mean? I think yep. if they had started six and four, the perceptions of the season would have been a lot different, even if the final record was the same. Well, when I did the, uh, that long series with Michael Lee earlier in the year, I wasn't planning on doing it right then. And frankly, I wish I had waited because I think I was much better podcasting now than I was then. My equipment wasn't as good. My equipment, my fancy phone, but like I really didn't know what I was doing and all yeah. that. But by the time I would ask people, "Hey, what do you want me to talk about today?" All they want to talk about was Fire Grunfeld. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. well, so what am I supposed to do here? So I was like, all right, let me let me play into that, and I, that's why I did that. But that was because that's where we were. Right. And I look back that when I still, when I he and I the first episode of that was published was December first, which is essentially when exactly the moment when everything turned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it became the greatest team in the Eastern Conference for two and a half months or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, you know, I was joking because I'd been joking in like. Uh, early January like most of January I've been joking about how the Caps were peaking too soon again and you know they needed to be playing the way they were then in April and not in January and then when the Wizards were on that run people were like hey the Wizards are peaking too soon and I was kind of joking about it but man I, I do wonder what it would have been like if they had gone into the playoffs playing the way they you know what I mean it, sure. they never seemed exactly the same after the Ulster break as they had in that in that one stretch now and you know it's you know you can go back and point to everything their schedule was easier right. they had a lot of home games yeah Later in the season, there were a lot of road games, tougher teams, and all that. Um, I won't burden you with this because I'm going to talk about it more in other podcasts. I know like everybody's, the bench was a mess for pretty much all season, but I did look this up, and I said this on the podcast yesterday. At the point where Jan Mahimi comes back for real, late February, February 26th, to the point that he got hurt April 10th, the Wizards' net rating for the bench yeah. was 10th in the league. Yeah. The, the percent, And they were 27th before. So... And then, of course, we get to the playoffs. He's hurt basically the whole time. Yeah. Donovan gets the flu in the Boston series. Oubre, I don't know, I guess it wasn't debilitating because he kept playing, but Oubre's got a knee thing. Yeah. So now the bench looks worse, but now we, it's easier to fall back to the narrow the bench is bad. And it wasn't great. Yeah. I'm just saying, boy, they actually did for a stretch of time play pretty decently, and who knows what would have happened if he, Mahimi doesn't get hurt. It's kind You're of right. Although it felt like the starters, it felt like the same part, the starters were kind of slumping a little bit when the bench was playing better there. But in the playoffs, I think the starters yeah, largely got back to normal. Absolutely, yeah. No, it is interesting, and it's also interesting that, that that was when the team was still sort of pushing for 50 wins when Mahimi got hurt. And, like, I mean, you can't 
rest everyone. Like you have to play someone at some sure. point. But like, he needed to play. I mean, yes, top maybe yes, you rest. But, but it was it was it just felt like such a horrible situation to get injured in a game that meant nothing at a part of the season that meant nothing where you were just kind of playing out the string. You know yeah. what I mean? And like you could like I remember Scott Brooks how upset he was that night. Or was it in like Chicago or Indianapolis or something? They played Detroit. I don't remember. Was it in Detroit? I think it was in Detroit. Okay, yeah. Um, Just such a bad way to suffer an injury like that. And, you know, it was kind of, I think they said day-to-day at the beginning or something, but you knew it was going to be more significant than that. Are you uh, sad if our pal Gortat is uh, gone? Um, Yeah, I mean... He is entertaining on Twitter. Well, he is entertaining to talk to. Well, I, I well, let's like play him. this back a couple years ago, and I, we need to do this again one day. But yeah. you and I and our friend Records and Radio, who have you ever met him yet? No, neither have I. Everybody was asked. I've never met him. We did a. Uh, I made you guys do a Twitter draft with That's me. Right. We did. We drafted all the local guys. You had to pick at least one guy from somebody from all the different teams, and the number one overall pick. And this is based on nothing, but basically the perception was if you had only these were the only athletes you could follow in your timeline, who would you pick? And the number one overall pick was Gortat, and we all, and it wasn't, I think Records and Radio took him, we both, I think, said we would have taken him, too. I don't know that it would anymore, though. I think he's gotten a little darker since then. I think that most of what, he tweets a lot in Polish. Yeah. And he tweets a lot of, he yeah. obviously reads his mentions, and he doesn't like being yeah. criticized, but it feel, it's felt more defensive to me and less joyful over sure. the years. And even in the last couple of days, you know, he has reacted poorly to the criticism and the way he acted at breakdown day. Not, not that it was inappropriate, but just saying that he was obviously defensive about people getting on him from for his four points or whatever he had in Game 7. Which I understand, but... I think he's taking one... He's sort of on some level taking one for the team. He's turned into the pulling guard yeah. as opposed to the all-pro left tackle that people appreciate and therefore he doesn't get as much credit. And, and also, luckily, he's, he, he, he has not... <coughs> I, I would bet he didn't talk to us after games more than like 10 times all year. Maybe the playoffs are a little bit different because he kind of had to. Yeah. Um, and he's always been cool with me, but yeah, he's like... He, he, he would bail. He didn't want to deal for whatever the reason. I have thoughts, but so yeah. But anyway, but I'm just, I think I, I think it'll be less interesting if he's not around. I'm not saying better or worse for the team. That's a different discussion for another day. But from a personality standpoint, yeah. he's definitely viewing the world a lot differently. Yeah. And also, come on, his off-season stories with with the tank or the, the pig, pig or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah, it was good. It was good. I. Yeah, I I think that people to me when people watch the games, you see all the time people on Twitter or whatever pointing out the little things he does that are helpful to the team um, they aren't things that show up in the box score necessarily and maybe it's not the dominant total discussion but he does like I think people recognize the sacrifices he made and the little things he did for the team and like the screen assists and the tap outs and all that stuff I think people do see that I mean I basically went to every home game this year I cover both locker rooms typically for what I have to do and I would be at I think at 41 home games I was probably at the visiting coach 39, 40 times, and there's always the obvious question from the lo- from the local from from the other teams. Chris Miller mm. asking the coach, and it always is. So, what's the key to stopping John Wall? Yeah. Always, maybe they a lump in a Bradley deal, but the co- a lot of times the one player the other coach would bring up would either be at Porter or Gortat, yeah. and would talk about Gortat all the little things that he does. Yeah. So it's one of the things you see it the, the basketball people see it, right. but when you're looking at a box score, four points. Right. Right, but the, the problem is, and I think he did do a lot of dirty work. I Like, I really did. He did a lot of dirty work this year. But you sort of ruin the value of doing all the dirty work when you complain about not getting recognized for doing the dirty work. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's the whole point of that guy, is that you do everything and you don't ask for the glory. And so then if you start saying, well, I 
I didn't get enough glory here. I was sacrificing too much. Kind of ruins the sacrifice. But. I think that's like the difference between like like the offensive linemen in football. If we sort of make that analogy, those guys don't even like talking. Period. Yeah, yeah. That, that's sort of like the code of the offensive linemen. It's not about us. Yeah. No matter how many times I try to talk to Brandon Scherf, nice guy. Yeah. He's not giving me Definitely. a squat. Right. So of course Todd is in that role, but basketball players, it's a whole different story. It's much more of a, it's not an individual sport, but it's much more of a look at me, you know, no yeah. helmet, you're out there, you know, uh, the, the way they are. Yeah. So I think it's just the mentality. Yeah. Um, so we were all joking for, for that one stretch when he was going really good um, in the middle of the year, and every single game started with a post-up Gortat possession. It was just like, here, man, get your 20 seconds of glory in, and then you can do the dirty work for the next 47 minutes. Um, we're already going here for a while, but let me ask you this: is, is this could this will either extend the conversation for a while, or we'll just end it. Uh, since since I, I don't talk to you too much uh, on the record, at least about this team, you know, Grunfeld remains a lightning rod with this team. It was fascinating to watch during the season as the Wizards are the hottest team in the East for a good two and a half months, and this and people would tweet at me, Scott Brooks is great. Still, they should fire Grunfeld, and I'm like, wait, how does it? How do we square these things? And now we get to this point where. Hey, they didn't make it past the second round, but you could argue that they, you know, they did win nine more, or eight more games than they did a year ago. There are reasons to the positives are John and Brad are on the rise. Assuming they're only going to get better, which will help everything else. But look, they've got other issues with the roster. The, they don't have a lot of room for the salary cap going forward. Um, if Bogdanovich were to leave in free agent, or if he doesn't come back, the last four years they will have only had one. Player, well, that's not totally true. They, they either way, they've only had one draft pick in the last four years. That was Ubre, um, you know. And people want to criticize the bench. And look, I wasn't in love with a lot of the moves that were made last summer. But again, uh, before Grunfeld got here, they didn't miss. They didn't make the last fifteen in the last sixteen years. He's had uh, twice here, two different incarnations of a team that's been right there and whatever. From your perspective. Long I, I, you know, the funny thing is, everybody's heard me say this now a thousand times, but I feel like it's the first time. So, oh. so anyway, so all that said, where are you on the Grunfeld thing? Savior, goat, what do you got? Well, no one says savior. Like, you don't say savior. No. No, there's no one saying savior. And the, I mean, the other thing is, everything that you would say in defense of him is true, but... I mean, the question is whether another person would have been able to accomplish the same kind of baseline when handed a number one and two number three picks. Do you know what I mean? Because that's the core of what they did. Obviously, the Gortat and Morris deals, you know, helped and, and were positive. But, like, the core of what they've got is Wall, Beal, and Porter. And any GM working with those, you would hope would be able to conjure up something in the neighborhood of 40-some wins, you know? Now, somebody is saying right now, yeah, but Dan, I would have picked John Wall and Bradley Beal. How hard is that? Right. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I... Right. That, that, that's, that is what I'm saying, that... Okay, so and that, and and that, and and that, and that's fine, but so I like I, I am sympathetic to people who who looked at where they were last year and, and looked at what they did during this huge free agent period and said, "I don't see the signs of progress." I, I am sympathetic to that, and even what what was accomplished this year. You're gonna get so you're implying that you're giving Ernie the credit for hiring Scott, which is fair. He hired the coach. That's what you're implying by saying that when they were praising Scott and not Ernie. Is that? 
part, partly that, like that in and of itself. I guess my only thing is that literally, no matter what he does, he gets criticism for. People hated the Marquis Morris trade. People weren't in love with the Gortat yeah. trade or the Gortat extension. Well, they all fit into like a pattern of his tenure here, which has been, you know, and we talked about it earlier, but it's been doing a really good job of making up for past mistakes and. Uh, Maybe that's not the worst thing in the world if it turns into forty nine wins in the second I, round. Based on my own life, I wish I could have. I had. I was good at making for my own mistakes. Right, but <laughs> it does feel like you're always kind of playing catch up in a way. Do you know what I mean? And when you compare it to like what Boston is looking at right now, which is sure. like a strong roster and a bunch of first round picks still in the future, including number one overall this year. I mean, they're they're in the maybe the second most. Um, Desirable position in the Eastern Conference right now, Boston. I think it's what's going to make losing Game Seven even more painful over time. Because right now, if you want to argue that the Wizards and Celtics were dead even, and whatever happened, Boston, however it happened, they got home court, they won. But from that moment on, the next day, Boston gets the number one pick, and it's going to be pretty hard now right. to say they're even. And on top of that, they have more room to make a, a splashy free agent to, to get somebody where the Wizards right. can hopefully keep Otto Porter, and then maybe that's about it. So right. the gap is about to grow already yeah. within a day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if, if Ernie had landed Al Horford last year, and I don't know what all went into that decision, but, you know, they, 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 Paul Pierce was great for a year. It was, what, I'm watching the game on my phone. I know, that's awesome. I, I, Paul Pierce was great for a year, but that's been such an unbelievable outlier in the last 30 years of the Wizards in terms of attracting premier free agents. And that was a guy who was clearly near the end of his career. Sure. I, I don't know how much of that falls on the GM, but... And doesn't that sort of tie into what we were saying before about why aren't the Wizards more popular in town? If the outside perception, I mean, every every time I always ask some random free agent from some other team, what's the perception of the Wizards? Ask DC guys who, not Kevin Durant, (laughs) what do you think about coming here? And I never get anybody going, I mean, they say the nice political type things, but nobody, I never get the sense that like DC's the destination. And obviously the proof is in the pudding on some level. Yeah, they, uh, they haven't really gotten anybody. God, I am not formulating my thoughts very well here because I don't think I know what they are. I think that Ernie did, and I like Ernie as a guy, and I think that he did, like, the minimum amount with the high draft picks that he had and with the expectations to say, yeah, that was basically okay. Do you know what I mean? It was basically okay. But it wasn't like, I don't know what move he made that you would point to and say, thank goodness we have him here. Do you know what I mean? Okay. I mean, I, I mean, I have thoughts, but you know, people have heard my thoughts. You want to hear them? Yeah, sure. Well, okay. I mean, so the like Mar- Marquise, Marquise, I guess the Marquise was well. I mean, that was a tremendous deal. I would venture to guess that's going to go down. Like the Karan Butler for Kwame Brown trade uh, was the the best one. Yeah. The Marquise Morris one may eventually pass that one. Assuming, depending on what I guess, if we're going to compare it to whatever the player that Phoenix or that pick that got moved around right. ends up becoming, because of what he's done, but also his contract is dirt cheap. Yeah, he makes less money than Garrett Temple uh, this year. But you're right. I think the thing with the, the Grunfeld that becomes frustrating is in this tech world that we live in, this analytics world that we live in, where everything is, like you said, is like people are, 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 are finding those edges. It always feels like, you said, the Wizards are somewhat playing from behind. They're never making the move. I mean, a couple years ago, he did make a move where the, the, the Bulls were trying to get rid of Kirk Heinrich. The Wizards weren't good. He took on Kirk Heinrich and got a number one pick out of it. A year later, he sends Kirk Heinrich to Atlanta and gets a number one pick out of that. So he got number one picks on both ends. But I want to say it was like, 
Kevin Serafin and Chris Singleton, I think. Okay. So it didn't. It, he made a forward-thinking move that ultimately didn't work out that way. Um, and I, th- I think ultimately it's more like that. It doesn't feel that they are a, a highly progressive team in that realm. But that said, how many teams really are like that? You mentioned the Celtics. How many? And, and I know people <laughs> like to point to Daryl Morey in Houston, but how many teams are actually like that? I think the same thing with the Redskins. If you take throw the Patriots somewhere else, how many actual teams are as good as people think the Redskins should be? No, that's fair. That's fair. But I think it's also with him. People want to see like the draft, so, something done in the draft above average. You know what I mean? Something unexpected and and that works out for the best. And yeah. I, I'm Uber maybe maybe I don't oh, know maybe. In, in 2013, it was the third pick. If he takes some kid from Greece. People were picketing outside the Verizon Center. Are you kidding me? He took another European. This is insane. Right. Now, they would kill to have Giannis instead of Otto Porter. But at that time, I mean, granted, Giannis went like right. 13th or 14th, so I'm right. not saying that like that was the call. Right. But if he had made a, a, an insanely bold move, which he could have argued only from the standpoint of the third pick was no, it was no consensus that Otto was the third pick. Right. Um, but if he makes that move... <laughs> okay, but you, you at some point it's... You're not making picks based on what people want. You're making picks Absolutely. based on what you think the best thing is. And like he thought that Jan Vesely was the best pick, and it didn't work out. Like maybe the best pick that he's made outside the top three guys since he's been here is Andre Blotch, maybe. And that was like a guy who also brought a lot of bad things to sure. the city. I mean, he had a long career for a guy. There's a reason was, why. But... Ultimately, it's clear why he fell. He was supposed to be a borderline lottery pick, and he fell around two for a reason. Yeah, and we, we we learned why. But I don't know. I don't. I think the frustrations are fair, basically. I do. I, what, I, what is a little bit weird to me is that for the last three months, you didn't hear the frustrations, and then they lose in a game seven on someone else's home court, and then suddenly it's fire Ernie, fire Ernie, fire Ernie. I, to me, if, if you're going to say that, you have to say it just as strong and just as believable when they're rolling and when it's February and they're playing great. And I didn't hear it as much then. I didn't hear it as much then. And so to me, it's a little disappointing to see everyone immediately laps back into it. But I understand why people have frustrations and I think that there's a legitimate argument like what what exactly is the risk of trying someone else at some point you know what I mean I, I think that's legitimate Do you, the one thing I never understand and I always try to point this out to people is no matter when you're pointing to somebody as if they're not good at their job but they're employed they're not the boss they're the, they're an employee ultimately right. why do people never criticize the people who are high who keep them in, 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 in charge well, I think there is an implicit criticism of Ted by saying fire Ernie and yet they don't though like it's not I mean Ted is about as accessible as you could possibly be for an owner I know I see people always saying to me fire Ernie and sometimes I get some people at Ted on Twitter yeah. but I get I, maybe you're right I guess I still view people blame Grunfeld if, they, if there's reason to blame as opposed to the owner and if you're listening Ted I'm not saying you I'm just saying it always seems weird to me if because that is the there, I've always said there's been three or four times you could have justified making a change of GM or team president, and I wouldn't have told you you were wrong, but they didn't. So. I think that Ted has got Ted gets emails. Like I think Ted has indicated both publicly and privately that he gets plenty of private correspondence from people saying you have the worst GM in the league. What are you doing? And like I think Ted, Ted talks about it as the amount of hyperbole that people use, which is fair. But I think that he hears from people about it. I do. Yeah. I don't know. I, it kind of goes back to whether you see this season as a success or not. Whether you think that the GM... And do you? I mean, I, I do as of 
as of May, whatever it say is, 19th, say the 19th, I have no idea. Uh, no, is it? it May the 15th was Monday, so I don't know. Okay, I think as of as of now, I do, but it all kind of depends on next year proving that this isn't an aberration, do you know sure. what I mean? And I don't know what the answer to that is going to be. And I do, at some point, find it non-encouraging that there's not going to be a first-round pick this year, do you know what I mean? And sure. it's it's... If you're mortgaging, not mortgaging the future, but if, if you're saying that this is like the future is now, then then it's understandable to want now to go beyond the middle of May. On the one hand, they were it was finally about time that Bradley Beal and John Wall both stayed healthy at the same time. Yeah. But also, it was good they did because, yeah. especially in the backcourt, they had they didn't even have a third guard, let alone if they had gotten hurt. Right. This is one of my criticisms back in the offseason. Yes. So they to the point of the Grunfeld aspect of it. Very fortunate that yes. his starters not only played well but didn't get hurt yes. this year. Because if they had, then this conversation goes a whole different, Absolutely. Whole different way. And there's no chance that if you had pulled anyone in October that we would have predicted the amount of good health in the backcourt that they had. I never would have thought that. Not both of them. Right. Coming double knee surgery and the constant injury with Beal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gosh, I didn't really say much that was in the way, much that was cogent in that whole... You, 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 always, you always say that. I have mixed feelings about it. I, I, th- I think ultimately, like I think people view that I'm like this uh, Grunfeld homer. Yeah. There's, there, there's there's somebody on Twitter whose avatar, I won't say who here, but you may you may know. But if you look at their avatar on Twitter, somebody made it for them. It's a picture of them screaming into a megaphone and it's spewing out different topics. One of the topics is my name. One of the topics is Markeith Morris, and another topic is Ernie Grunfeld, because these are things that he gets mad, he got mad at. And this is like a year or two ago. Yeah. And I just feel that like people want to scream at him all the time, and that's fine. But I, I always try to look at sports, stupidly maybe. Well, what, what actually, let me look at this one thing, does it make sense or not? Not just because I don't think, because he made a three other moves wrong, doesn't mean this move's wrong. The same, same way I try to look at the Redskins, when people just want to say it's always bad. I'm like, eh, I don't know. So I'm just saying there's a lot, there are definitely reasons to criticize Grunfeld. But there's also a lot of positives, i.e. they just won 49 games and right. blah, blah, blah. So however you want to view it, he's the guy making the picks. If you're going to blame him for everything, they okay, just... When they, it comes down to it, though, he does have, what, like the third longest tenure of any guy who's running a team in the NBA, right? Fourth oh, longest, something like that. It's, it's insane how long he's been here. Right. And, and there's not a title to show for it. Yeah. And there's not, not even yeah, not even the championship round. Right. No and there's, not a good, there's not going to be a good one-loss record. And it's never going to be a good one-loss record because of all the bad years that were sprinkled in there. And so the next time they do have a down year, that you're going to hear that argument as loud as ever. And it's going to be as justified as ever. That for a tenure that long, you would expect either a really good record or a title or something like that in there. And he doesn't have either of those things. You know what's also interesting? It goes back to maybe it's just different sports. Before the Scott McLuhan thing really blew up, though, people started realizing he had not talked for a long time. Now, I guess in football, and I don't cover other teams, I only get to cover the Redskins, I guess it's more commonplace for the GMs to talk, and that's partly why people were like, well, how come Scott's not talking? But okay. The season just ended with the Wizards. We didn't talk to Grunfeld. We haven't talked to Grunfeld on the record since... I don't even remember now the, last, the draft last year, last the start of training camp, yeah, whatever. And and maybe that's more culture, but also it, it goes to show no, nobody's nobody's claiming for that either. Nobody's the fans aren't saying, hey, why aren't we talking to Grunfeld? You know what though? He, you talk about Kirk Cousins not saying anything. He says less than Kirk. Like it's impossible to get him to say anything interesting on the record. It's literally impossible. Yeah. So I don't care if he talks or not. I really don't because I, I know what's going to be. You know. No, no, no. You're right about that. It's just from the actual going through the motion aspect of it. But like right. I said, I just don't... 
again, maybe the McLuhan thing, it was, you know, you can't compare the two for the for all kinds of reasons, but, you know, hey, how come Scott's not talking? You're right. Great. Nobody ever says it about Grunfeld. You're right. Maybe he'll talk at the press conference introducing the first round pick this year. Oh. On the uh, Locked on Wizards, uh, or Locked on Sports NBA Network, they just started yesterday. They're going to do, like, some sort of a mock draft, and they're going to do it over, over the podcast and all these sites, and I'm like, you know, let me know when you get to the 52nd pick. <laughs> yeah, good prospects in there. I love the, when they do the draft workouts, and it's been made me miserable the last three, three of the last four years where there hasn't been a first-round pick. So they'll bring guys in. Yeah. Maybe, you know, they'll bring in some local guys like Amelo Trimble or LJP guys, Sam. But other than that, like, yeah. I'm completely locked out of the draft because the Wizards keep trading their picks. I, when they did the Boyan, I was like, Ugh. and last year they had no picks. Sure. Yeah. Disaster. I know, and it is, it is for someone who talks about building through the draft as much as Ted Leonsis talks about it for both of his teams, it's striking how often they get rid of that first-round pick or sell the second-round pick. The first two times they did it, it worked out. The third time, I don't know. We'll see if Bogdanovich stays. I'm going to guess he won't. Yeah. So if he doesn't, then that's going to look a lot worse. I agree. Um, all right, well, I should probably let you uh, go because okay. you've, like, you've got, like, Nats games to watch. What's the score? 8-4. to four, The Nationals are losing as we speak. Who's pitching today? Uh, Roark, but he's already out of the game. Long, long since out of the game by the time anyone listens to this. Do you think the fact that the Nationals, all the other teams are off when the Nationals are playing, essentially? Like, right now, they have the, between now Three and Tri- yeah. Yeah, they have the whole slate clean. Do you think that is a factor? Well, Whereas the Wizards are always competing not just against Redskins, Caps, college. I do think, yeah, I do think that that helps them. I do think that they have too much of themselves. And I do think it would be different if one of these teams ever could play until the middle of June. You'd get a lot of run for whoever that was, yeah. But I don't know if it's ever going to happen. I, I will say, when people always joke, I mean, we've talked about this before, but people joke about how the media is not supportive and the media, like, rebels and all these heartbreaks and all that. Like, my traffic this week already is down 53% over what it was last week, and it's going to just keep going down from now. Like, it's it's not good business for us when these teams lose. You know what I mean? It would have been much better business for us. The week, the last week of the Wizards playing was the best week of traffic I had on this podcast and then yeah. I looked at the numbers after Game 7. Yeah. Like, starting with the Game 7 recap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it definitely definitely took a hit because they're like, alright. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. There, there maybe is like a, one brief peak, like one brief spike for like kind of reveling not reveling but for like observing the misery together and then after that it's just like indifference yeah yeah it stinks what do you think I'll, I'll ask you to, I'll put you on the record which team breaks through eventually to win a title well, do, I, do we so we want to dismiss the championship round and get to the title round because I know you both and I are kind of like eh hey, wait wider well, either way I would say the same answer for both, so it doesn't matter. Uh, for both, I would say the Nationals. Uh, and I would have said that a year ago and two years ago and three years ago. Right. I just think they have such a talented roster, and you know that they're going to make the playoffs just about every year, and fewer teams make the playoffs in baseball. You only have They only have to win one round to break through, and they only have to win two to get to the World Series. So it's got to be the Nationals. And also, I think baseball... I mean, ho- hockey is arguably a little bit flukier, but in baseball, I, I mean, legitimately, if you took whoever the worst team in baseball is... And put him up against the best team in a seven-game series. The, yeah. the worst team could win. Right. It, hockey, at least you have that. The goalie on the bad team could be really good right. and screw things up for the better team. Right. So yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think the Nats. Plus, also, I mean, Harper's pretty good. The lineup is. Look at Scherzer and Strasburg, and we're yeah. we're talking in the middle of May, and, and they're. They, up they by will like, eventually get a bullpen, I assume. Yeah, but they're up <laughs> by like nine games. Like they're going to make the playoffs. Like we know they're going to make the playoffs now, and so you've got like a one in four chance of making it to the World Series, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I went to a. Um, local synagogue men's group um, this maybe November and I got asked the question because I get the 
ask the question everywhere, who's going to win the title first? You know, who's going to finally go on a run first? And I said, I don't know who it's going to be, but I know who it's not going to be. It's not going to be the Wizards. And then as this year started going on, I was like, oh, maybe I was wrong about that one. But, yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm going to get into a conversation with Grant Paulson here at some point because he was trying to say on Twitter the other day that it's much easier for the NBA team to get to the conference finals. Yeah, yeah, so, and I was like, uh, I gave him the side eye on Twitter. So that we'll save that for another day. Uh, I'm in. Definitely glad we finally got you on the podcast. Took took long enough, but I'm glad we uh, worked it out. Yeah. More pickles next time we do it. <laughs> It'll be great. Always the deal. All right, that's the deal. Got to give Dan the pickles. I'll show up for your podcast, people out there. All right. Many thanks to uh, Dan Steinberg with the Washington Post for getting on the podcast. We've been trying to work this out all year. He and I never could just quite work out the details, um, but glad we did. Um, I'm writing something right now for uh, NBC Washington about the what-if Wizards, the, the what-if scenarios for this season, and maybe Dan not coming into the podcast until the season was over is a what-if. Probably not, but maybe. I'll have to see if it makes the final cut or not. Um, all right, so many thanks to Dan, and of course, big thanks as always to our friends over at Parkway Deli, over on Grub Road in Silver Spring. Um, I forgot I've been doing the thing on this podcast where when we order the food, I tell the guests we have to both say, how does the food we just ordered relate to the Wizards? And I forgot, which would have been great because Dan had a veggie burger and I totally wanted to know what he did with that. And then we started talking and I totally forgot. My bad. I'll have to maybe ask Dan later and, and see if I can uh, swap that in. I got an, I, get, I went back to my uh, egg white veggie omelet. I, I got to get, a, I've been told I got to eat better. And I guess all I sort of viewed that was, and I like the egg white omelet, but obviously it's kind of a boring meal. And that's sort of how I felt this week. It wasn't, you know, it was either Eastern Conference Finals or stay at home and, and think about next season. And that's, you know, one way was really exciting. And the other way is, okay. That's kind of how I view the uh, egg white omelet. It's okay. It's necessary. It's just not as fun as really good food. Really tasty food. But anyway, so there's that. Um... I'm gonna, as I said earlier, I'm gonna take off Friday, and, and my my hope is to have another podcast up this weekend. Uh, talk about John Wall's uh, third team All NBA. Congrats again to that, and what what that means for him and the Wizards. Um, but we'll see if I can work out that guest over the weekend. Uh, if you need, if you if you haven't already heard, and you need a podcast fix, of course there's the Game Seven recap. If you can stomach that, the day after. Uh, that with uh, Todd Dibas and Ava Wallace talking about Exit Interview Day on Wednesday's podcast. I, I touched on a few topics, including why I think there's a different way to look at how the bench, the Wizards bench experience went this year than I've heard anybody else really talking about. And uh, of course, there's 200 and other some podcasts to, uh, to check out. Some of them, of course, will be game related, but a few of them, I think, stand out on their own. So let's call it there. Thanks to you guys for listening. Um, back at it soon enough. Until next time, see ya. Neal gets open for three. Dagger! Wall drive, off balance shot. Dagger!